invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Hadn't the music been awesome? All of it. Thank all of you. That was the Parkwood worship team that's here for back-to-back middle school and high school retreats. Chad, thank you so much for leading us. Title of the message is Leaving the Past. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 and following. This is important for you to get this. Paul has, we've been walking through Ephesians this summer at the chapel. And Paul has spent the first three chapters of Ephesians building a case for which he's going to spend the last three chapters applying very practically what he's been teaching them. You're saved by grace. It's not a, it's not a result of your works, your effort. It's the grace of God. Lest anyone would boast. We could poke our chest out and say, look what I did. We can't do that. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. So Paul gets to this point of Ephesians 4, and he's concerned with their walk. He's concerned that they don't walk like the world. Anybody ever been on the Blue Ridge Parkway and hiked up the paths in the Blue Ridge Parkway? Beautiful. If you go it in October, you're going to be with about a million other people. Most of them don't ever get out of their cars, but if you pull into one of those parking lots, you can hike these trails. And we did that one year as a family. And so my wife and I and our four children, we hiked up, and it was a little longer trail than I anticipated, but we got to the top. We're seeing all this beauty. But by this time, the kids are starting to grumble a little bit. And I thought, to get back down to that parking lot, we've got to go back the way we just came. And that's a long ways. And I saw a shortcut. And so... We took a shortcut down the trail, and it was a trail. The problem is, when we got back to the parking lot, someone had stolen our car. Well, actually, they didn't steal our car. We were in the wrong parking lot. And so I left the family there, and I kind of jogged about a mile until I realized the direction I was going was the wrong way. So I came back by, and the family's kind of, here comes Dad. Where's the van? And by this time, they're crying, we'll never see Dad again. Where's he going? And I finally, about a mile the other direction, find the car. But it was a lesson to me to realize, if you're on the wrong path, you're not going to get where you hope to get. Your car's stolen. (laughs) You're in the wrong parking lot. And that's what Paul has in mind as he mentions what he says to the Ephesians. Let me read verses 17 and following. Chapter 4. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their minds, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Paul says, This I say to you, and this I affirm, this is my testimony. I'm being a witness. I implore you, and he speaks in the Lord's name for authority. So with God, Paul is delivering them an important message. Don't walk anymore like the Gentiles do. Now, primarily the people he's writing to were what? Formerly, they were Gentiles. 
some in the church were Jews. Some of the church had grown up in the Jewish faith and had come to faith in Christ. They're now completed Jews in a sense. And yet most of them were Gentiles. In fact, that word literally is the word ethnos. It's where we get the word ethnic from. It just basically meant a race or a tribe or a people. But for a Jew, it meant non-Jew. For us today, it's going to mean non-Christian. So you and I fall in the category, unless you were born Jewish, most of you weren't. You are a Gentile. And so Paul says, don't walk like they walk. And he's talking to people who used to walk that way. So he's basically saying a change has taken place in your life. Stop walking this way. You're now on a different path. You're walking in a different direction. Don't walk as the Gentiles walk. Here's part of the problem, though. They still lived in Ephesus. Many historians consider it the most degraded, the most uh, ungodly place, the most immoral town in Asia Minor. And so the temptations were still there. They are still walking to and from the course of their everyday life. They're still passing by the temple to Diana. They're still passing by places where they had engaged in ungodly activity. And if you're not careful, you get sucked back in because the temptation's still there. And yet they're not the same people they used to be. So Paul says, don't walk as the Gentiles walk. Here, here's just some description. They walk in the futility of their mind, literally in the vanity or depravity of thought and intellect. Here's the truth about unregenerated people, non-Christian. It's not that their mind is empty. It's that their mind is filled with worthless things. And so Paul says, don't walk like that. Their minds are futile. They're not, they're not pursuing a path that's going to get them where they really ultimately want to go. In fact, they've been darkened literally to obscure or blind. There's no light of wisdom in their mind. It's like when you flip on the light switch and roaches are having a party in your house. Now, some of you know what I'm talking about. We don't call them roaches at the beach. A lot of people call them palmetto bugs. We call them land shrimp. I remember growing up as a kid in Georgia. If you got up in the middle of the night to go get something to drink, you better start turning lights on quick because they're having a party. Why? Because they love the darkness. They're sinners. <laughs> and that's the truth about the Gentiles is they love darkness. They wanted to do their behavior in darkness because their minds were dark. They were futile. They were dark in their understanding. They were excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that was in them. God was all around them. But their hearts had become hardened. Their heart had grown hard as stone. And they become unresponsive to the truth. In fact, doctors use this term here to talk about the calcification that occurs around broken bones. It literally can become harder than the original bone was. So these people were literally entombed in truth. The truth was all around them, but it hadn't penetrated their heart. They were blind to it. They were darkened to it. They had rejected it. I remember speaking to a youth group one time where a guy on the front row, you could just tell God was all over him. God was in his face trying to draw him to himself. And this kid sat there with just kind of this blank, deer in headlights look. And I don't always notice that when I speak, but sometimes you do. You just say, God, man, this guy is just, his heart's dark. And it bothered me. It wasn't many weeks after that event. The next time I saw him was at his funeral. And he's laying in a box. And I thought, did this guy ever respond to the gospel? 
I've talked to people who believe that he did, so that's good news. But that's what it means to walk like the Gentiles with dark, hard hearts. In fact, he uses the word having become callous, literally beyond the point of feeling. If you've ever worked for a while with a shovel and you build up calluses on your hand, you can take a straight pin and stick it in there and just kind of hold it up. It doesn't feel like anything. It's gotten hard. You play the guitar and you use strings that rub calluses on your fingers. They become numb to touch. Well, that's one thing for playing the guitar, but it's a problem if it's your heart that has become numb. And that's how Paul describes the Gentiles. They've become callous. After a period of rebellion, you become comfortable and accustomed to things you thought you would never be comfortable with. Does that sound like the world we live in? Yeah. You can respond. This is live. I'm not a video. Yeah, that's the world we live in. It's not just in Ephesus over 2,000 years ago. That's the world we live in with people who have darkened their hearts, have become callous in their hearts, are walking like non-Christians. They have given themselves over. Literally, they've made a choice to surrender themselves and abandon themselves to sensuality. Here's the interesting thing about that. Sensuality means feeding the senses. The problem is their hearts have become hardened. And so their senses are dull. And so it takes more and more and more to try to feed that need, that hunger that only God can fill. How do you penetrate a hardened heart? It's only through Christ. There's not enough anything in the world that's going to bring you joy and happiness like Jesus does. Because their hearts are hardened. They become calloused. And they are practicing every kind of impurity with greediness. Greediness, literally wanting more than they are due. What happens when you fail to respond? I had a young man walk up to me after I was speaking at a place in North Myrtle a few years ago, and he had tears in his eyes. I said, what's wrong with you? He said, I think my friend has rejected God. And I said, the scary thing is if, you're, if God's given up on your, on your friend. That's what happens in a Gentile culture like we live in when you just allow your heart to become callous. And your heart becomes darkened. And you become blind. And so what does Paul say? Don't walk like the Gentiles. Let me be specific about a few things as a pastor. Don't walk like the world. A few things I jotted down. Some favor the value of popular culture more than God's word. God's word is not the pattern for their life, not the instruction book for their life anymore. It's just whatever goes on in the world. Let me get real specific. This bothers me. In the church, men and women who claim to be believers living together before marriage. That's the culture. It's accepted in our culture. I had a young man one time tell me, yeah, I'm living with my girlfriend. I said, why, do you, why are you doing that? He was a believer. Why are you doing that? He said, well, my mom thought it would be a good idea. I said, wait a minute, the same mom that's been married and divorced four times, you're taking marriage advice from her? How about taking marriage advice from God? Keep the marriage bed undefiled. Another thing I see is people who focus only as Jesus as Savior and not Jesus as Lord. Let me tell you something. He is Lord. You don't get a vote on that. If He truly is your Savior, He will be your Lord. He'll discipline you. 
you didn't learn Christ that way. The second thing is there's been something that has been put off. When you came to faith in Christ, God has made a transaction and it's been put off. And I love the fact that he says, don't walk like they walked. Then he brings it back pointed to the Gentiles. And he says, you, you're no longer like them. You're no longer them. You, sharp contrast to the Gentiles, did not learn Christ this way. To learn Christ means to be saved. So he's writing to a church made up primarily of believers. There's certainly some that might be there that weren't believers. But he's writing to a church made up of believers to say, that's the wrong way. You didn't learn Christ that way. You came to salvation, if indeed, conditional, if indeed you heard him. You've heard his spiritual call to salvation. You've responded to a living God. And you've been taught in him. Just as the truth is in Jesus. In fact, this is the only time in the, the letter of, of Ephesians that Paul just uses the singular word Jesus. Most of the time he says, Christ, Jesus Christ is Lord, or Jesus Christ or Lord. But I think he's pointing out to the historical figure of Jesus. This is who you have responded to. This is the Savior. That in reference to your former manner of life, you have laid aside. Literally, you have put away. It points to a definite, decisive, permanent act. Romans 6, verse 6 says this. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. That's what happened when you came to Christ. You put aside the old self, the old life. In fact, God did that through Christ Jesus because the old self is being corrupted. I want you to get that. You've taken off the old self. You're not wearing it anymore. But it is being corrupted. If, you're, if you were to go back and walk in the old manner of life, you have a greater propensity for sin than you used to because your flesh is getting worse. That's why God had to change something. That's what the miracle of new birth. He didn't just clean you up. He totally recreated you. Your old self is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. So the question is, have you come to know Christ? You can't live this life with moral rule keeping. Some people just think, well, hey, I've been to church. I think I got it. I'll just be a good person. I've had somebody sit in my office a few years ago and tell me, no, I've never really made a profession of faith in Christ. I'm just, I'm a pretty good guy. Really? So you're going to face God someday and say, you know, I think I'm good enough again. I didn't do that many bad things. Well, how many sins does it take to make you a sinner? One. Anybody want to go with, I've only sinned once? <laughs> no. I did the math one time. You sin, you know, only three times a day. That you think the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. Multiply that times 365 days, just round it off to 1,000 sins. And you're 70 years old when you face God. you got 70,000 sins. I'm a pretty good guy. Yeah, grading on the curve, you're not bad. But Jesus came to die for those sins. And apart from Christ, you face God with all that junk. And there's better news than that. Because you've put something on. So don't walk like the Gentiles walked. Put off 
the old self that's being corrupted, it is dying. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, that old self is what you're still wearing. And it is being destroyed. It is decaying. It's starting to rot. In fact, it probably smells. <laughs> but, Paul says, but be renewed. It's a present tense denoting something that is continuous and progressing in the life of the believer. If you're a child of God, you are continuing to be renewed. And it starts right here. The problem with the old manner of life is we have stinking thinking. We needed to check up from the neck up. And so when we become renewed in Christ, it starts right here too. He's renewing your mind. Not to walk like you used to walk. Not to walk like the world walks in sin. But put on. Literally, it's in the sense of sinking into a new garment. And it's once and for all. You put on the new self. Here's the good news. In Christ, you've put on a new person. You've been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Again, not because you deserved it. That's the grace of God. So you've been renewed in the spirit of your mind. You've put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created. Literally, according to what God is. That's the standard. Don't walk like the Gentiles who walk in the futility of their minds. Their hearts are darkened. They become callous. The new model is Christ. It's God. You've been created, recreated in His likeness. In fact, in, back in Genesis, it said God created man and woman. Do you remember that? Okay, you weren't there, but you remember reading about it. How does it say God created them? He created them in His what? Image. The word means character or nature. Sin messed that up. And God has been about restoring that divine nature, that divine image. When you put on Christ, when you put on the new creation, the image is restored. In fact, Peter put it this way in 2 Peter 1.4. For by these, his great magnificent promises, he's granted us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Put on the new self, which in the likeness of God is being created in righteousness and holiness. This new nature that you walk in now. You're not walking in two natures. If you're a Christian, the old has been put aside. You don't need to hang on to it, but you're not wearing it anymore. You've been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Righteousness deals with our behavior towards fellow man. Holiness deals with our character or our conduct towards God. So you've been clothed in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Righteousness and holiness are proper fruit of embracing the truth in Christ. If these are not evidenced in your life, we've got a problem. I want to show you this. I want to illustrate this. Where's Eli? Come here, Eli. Wake up. I'm going to have a hard time seeing Eli. Hey, Eli, how old are you? I told you you weren't going to have to say anything. But he's, already, he's 13 years old. What's the name of your church? That's, that's right. I've been there. Were you there last year when I spoke there? You might not have been there. 35 in dog years. Eli, put this shirt on. Hopefully it'll fit. You're a big guy. 
It's actually a triple A. I know it's going to fit. Take your time. We got all day. Just put your shirt on. There you go. <laughs> all right, here's what I want you to see. <coughs> yeah, get it all the way on. That's good. It's too big. I know it's too big. I did that on purpose because it looks funny. All right, this is the old garment, okay? This is how you were all born. We were born into sin, all right? This is the old self. It's being corrupted. It's already turning gray. You can tell. How comfortable is it? It's actually not that bad. Well, we're, it's representing sin, so right now you want that off of you, okay? All right, so this is the old nature. Here's what happens in Christ. You can't take this off yourself. You can't make yourself new, but in Christ, the day you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, take that off. Take your time. We got all day. Sit it right there. Put that on. Same size. You ever seen a shirt that big in your life? No. All right. So it's not that he put this shirt on over this shirt. Okay, that's not the deal with the natures here. The nature is this has been taken off. But the problem Paul was saying is don't even hang on to it. Don't go back and play with this anymore. This has been put away. Throw it away. You're now clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Now, we all saw Eli put this on. But he didn't do this, spiritually speaking. This is what God has done through Jesus Christ. He's taken off the old self, which is being corrupted, He's put on the new self, which is Christ, which is in the image of God. Isn't that cool? All right, take that shirt off. You can't have it. Throw it over there with the other one. Everybody give Eli a hand. Thank you, Eli. You did a good job, too. You threw it right on top of that other one. That's the picture I want you to see because of this. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, new things have come. You don't just receive something new. You become new. That's why when Jesus approached the man in uh, John chapter 3, he said, you must be born again. That's literally what it is. In fact, this transaction is a bigger deal than death for a believer. Because when you die, you've already been fitted for heaven. What happened here, the old corruptible came off, the incorruptible goes on. That's a bigger deal. Because if you're a child of God in this place this morning, you're already ready for heaven. And you're being transformed into the image of God, into his likeness. Let's pray together. Lord, what? What an awesome word. And yet it's so hard to get that. God, I pray for men and women, young people across this auditorium. God, that we would, if we're children of God, we would recognize we're not walking like the world anymore. We don't have to be jealous of anything they've got because it's being destroyed. It's starting to take on its sin. And yet the world has tried to perfume it up and make it seem like it will bring joy and happiness and it doesn't. It's empty. It's leading to a path of destruction. And yet because of faith in Christ, we've put on new garments. 
They hadn't just been washed. They're brand new. Because as a believer, we're brand new. So God, if there's someone here today that's never trusted you as their Lord and Savior, I pray today would be the day they turn to Christ in salvation. And just simply say to him, I recognize my sin. But I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. And I ask you to forgive me. Make me clean. Be my Lord and Savior. Lord, how awesome that is. We love you in Christ's name. One of the cool things.